The following sermon was delivered by Associate Pastor Werner Ramirez during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is Reverend Ramirez. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got in the boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Then the disciples came and asked him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart, and this is what was sown on the path. And for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when the trouble or persecution arises on the account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This passage terrified me as a teenager. Seriously, it did. I can't remember the time or place when I heard it. All I know is that it was a scary passage. In this parable, a sower, a farmer of some form, throws seeds all around and they land in four different spots. Some of them fall on the path and then they get eaten up by the birds. Some other seeds fall in a rocky-like ground and manages to spring up for a little bit before the plant dies. Some get choked up by the thorns. And finally, some land on good soil and produce the goods. I vividly remember the interpretation that was given to me and other teenagers hearing this sermon, and it scared the hell out of me. Literally, I was frightened that if I was not good soil, I would definitely end up in hell. 
You want to be good soil, is what we were told. There are some of you, your friends, who will be eaten up by the birds. And these are your non-Christian friends. That's what we were told, that the world is going to gobble them up. I was a good Christian boy growing up. So the thought of the birds eating up my non-Christian friends didn't frighten me as much as it made me sad. I had a lot of friends who were not believers, and I tried to be a good witness because I really did not want them to be eaten up by the birds. So I guess all I could do was to pray for them, that one day they would become like good soil. So I did just that. I prayed for them a lot. Yet the seeds that fell on the rocky path and amongst the thorns, that's the part that terrified me. In the parable, the plant rises up quickly and then dies. Again, I can't remember if this was at a Christian club meeting, a youth conference, or a youth camp, but still, I remember the speaker telling us that the seeds represented many of us in that room. Some of you go to church on Sunday, he said, and you go to youth group, but then on the weekend, you party hard. Some of you do not really take your faith seriously, he condemned us. He said, like the seeds that land on the rocky soil, you will show some growth, but then you will die. That's what the speaker said to us. And that scared me. What if I was not good soil? What if I was the rocky path? In high school, I had some friends who were really legalistic and fundamentalist about their faith. They were at church so much more than I was. And some of them were even in a hardcore metal Christian band, preaching the good news at concerts. Now, I remember one of them gave me a ride home one day. And there was another girl in the car. And he asked her, are you coming to youth group tonight? And she said that she couldn't because her parents were divorced. And that week she had to be with her dad. A valid excuse. But yet his response was, well, did your dad die on the cross for your sins? What is your priority? I saw the shame in her face as he looked at her with a holier than thou look. And I couldn't decide if he was a jerk for saying that, or perhaps maybe he was right. Maybe that's what good soil looked like. Yet those friends, their junior and senior year of high school, I was shocked to hear that these guys began to party, like party really hard with excessive alcohol and hard drugs. They stopped going to church and they even changed the name of their band so they didn't sound like a Christian band. I remember thinking, those seeds landed amongst the rocky path and amongst the thorns. How sad. But wait. Can that happen to me? I did everything in my power to make sure that I was good soil. At every youth camp I went to, I gave my life to Jesus just in case, just in case that I was rocky path. The idea that I could fall away from God's grace was a real fear of mine. And this passage scared me. But then the older I got, and the more I thought about this passage, I wondered, where is the grace in this message? Where is the loving God that I was taught about? And why is Jesus tormenting me with this parable? Is there something I'm missing from this passage that brings good news? In verse 10, 
the disciples ask, why are you speaking to them in parables? It almost feels like Jesus' answer to them is a parable in itself. Jesus is speaking in code and it's confusing. It's as if it's a secret of some form. So I, like the disciples, wonder, why does Jesus speak in parables like this? One of the things that I learned about Jesus' parables is that they are sometimes meant to be confusing. They are intended for us to ask more questions than for us to know the answers. Because the more questions we bring to the storyteller, the more we have to trust that storyteller. It can be easy for us to become stubborn and say, I just don't want to hear any of these stories. But what if we treated these stories, these parables, more like a child? And we say we want to hear more. Like a little child, we trust the storyteller with all our heart. You know what I mean? A child can hear a story and they want to know what happens to the main character after the story is over. They want to know more and they trust you as the storyteller that you can tell them the truth of what happened. We must be like a child and continue to seek the mystery in these parables and continue to ask questions. The legalistic interpretation that I heard that one must be good soil to have salvation was an interpretation that had it all figured out. But still, there are more questions to be asked. Which brings me to this farm. Why am I not preaching this sermon from the sanctuary or from my living room? I'm here at the farminary, a small farm that is part of Princeton Theological Seminary where small sustainable agriculture is infused with theological education. My favorite classes I took in seminary happened at this farm. We learned about faith formation over class potlucks and class discussions happened over harvesting and weeding and turning over compost. I owe a lot of my theological framework through the lessons I've learned and the relationships built on this farm. So naturally, what better place to talk about the parable of the sower than a place where plants and produce grow. I remember from my time here, Dr. Nathan Stuckey, the director of the farminary, gave us clear directions on how to place seeds when we were planting. We would mark out how far apart we wanted things to go. And depending on what we were growing, he would give us a specific amount of seeds we needed to put in the soil. <laughs> you hear that? a particular amount of seeds that needed to be placed in the good soil. So why on earth is the sower in this parable throwing out seeds all willy-nilly? I mean, it feels like the farmer is wasteful. If you know how things grow, why would you waste seeds throwing them out like that? Knowing that some would be eaten by the birds, that some will fall on the rocky path, and that some will be choked out by the thorns. Why would you throw out the seeds like that so graciously? One of the friendships that developed on this farm was with my friend Pearl Quick, an Afro-Latinx woman whose blood is filled with farming. I asked her about this passage as I prepared for this sermon, and I asked her, why is this farmer so wasteful? And she told me, yes, this may sound wasteful to a farmer, but for God, nothing is wasted. For God, nothing is wasted. She had my attention. Think about it, Warner, she said. 
a bird was nourished by that seed. And that bird probably pooped out that seed, fertilized it, ready to go into the ground and to become soil for something else. So like a jerk, I asked, well, what if that poop landed on my windshield? She laughed and said, dang it, Warner, there are no windshields in Jesus's time. But seriously, think about it. Just because someone is struggling with faith, as the interpretation says, that doesn't mean they are wasted away. Nourishment and fertilization will still happen. God does not give up so quickly. We continued our conversation, and she challenged me to think of this passage not as four different people, a person who is good soil, a person who gets choked up by the thorns, a person who has rocky ground, and a person who gets eaten up by the birds, but perhaps to think about the parable as the spiritual life or the journey of life in general. We each have different seasons. Sometimes we may feel like we have good soil. And sometimes we might be in a season that we are the rocky ground. And in the midst of all that, the sower still throws seeds in our path. God still throws us grace and nothing is wasted no matter what season we're in. The story of the land here at the farm area is fascinating. It was initially inhabited by the Lenape people, the same as in New York City. And before this was the farminary, this was a sod farm, a farm where they would grow that precious green grass that is cut up, rolled up, and then placed in someone's yard. The issue is that with every sheet of beautiful lawn that is grown and cut, good soil gets taken away from that land. So by the time that Nate Stuckey came to the start the farminary here, the land had been badly damaged. Nate tells us that one of the most important things that happens here at the farm is cultivating the soil. Yes, there is a metaphor for cultivating theological rich soil for students who learn here. Still, here they are also cultivating actual physical soil for the land. Producing soil for just a portion for this farm has taken years of planting, years of letting things die and then grow again. They die and they get thrown into the compost and they become good soil. They keep reusing that to cultivate it. And now after many years of that process, things grow here. So coming back to the passage, Nate tells me that he thinks what happens with the plants that grew in the rocky ground and the ones that get choked out by the thorns is similar to what happens to the land here at the farminary. He asked, what if they are in the process of being redeemed, just like the redemption of this land? It must grow and then die and then resurrect. Grow and die and resurrect. But the story never ends with death. It continues with resurrection. I mean, we were just out in the farm and we noticed sunflowers and tomatoes that grew out of the compost. Nothing was originally planted there. It grew out of what seemed nothing. What if this parable is not so much a legalistic story about salvation, but rather a reminder that God is cultivating our hearts just like the people here are trying to cultivate the soil. What is that no matter where we are in life, we knew that God still cares for us 
and loves us deeply. One of my favorite stories of this farm is from this grassy road that you see right here. Looks like regular grass. It's cut up, it's nice. When Nate came here, this was a gravel road that was frequently used by different machinery and automobiles. Yet it hasn't been used for a long time. And over time, over the years, the forces of life have broken through the gravel. In fact, if you hit it with a shovel, you can hear the road. This should not be grass after the beating it took from the years of cars and the gravel. Life has crept up on this rocky ground. And as Nate said, the forces of life cannot be stopped. If Nate and Pearl are right, if these seeds are eaten up by the birds, scorched by the sun, choked by the thorns, if they can be redeemed, then nothing can stop the source of life. Nothing can stop the gospel. Nothing can stop the grace of God. And to think that before this passage used to terrify me, I questioned my own salvation without remembering that Romans says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. But now, this passage brings me hope, especially amid this pandemic and such division, in the midst of loved ones passing away, in the middle of such hurt and pain and continued oppression against the most vulnerable. It feels like life is on the rocky ground or like as if life was choked up by the thorns. But friends, nothing can stop the gospel. Nothing can stop the grace of God. Nothing can stop the good and liberating news of Jesus Christ, our Lord. May we feel the cultivation that God is doing deep in our hearts and our souls and know that the good work that God has started, God will finish it until completion. Amen. Friends, in God's economy, nothing is wasted. Have confidence in that God. You are loved, and by the grace of God, you are enough. Amen.